0: What's in the boxes? Wouldn't you like to know? <laughs> uh, hello everybody and welcome. We are live from the bunker broadcasting to Odyssey Facebook and YouTube. And uh, that pile, that pile just keeps getting bigger. Uh, it is, it is stuff, stuff and things. Stuff and things good to have all of you here with us and uh, hopefully you all had a good Thanksgiving break I have I have gone a little scruffy because I did not I, I took the break I, I said okay I'm not gonna do either so uh, so so it just so happens. That as I'm as I'm taking a break, we've got all this stuff going on with the whole FTX thing, and now uh, today uh, the hits just keep on coming, don't they? BlockFi commences restructuring, uh, filing Chapter 11 bankruptcy protection. Crypto is not doing too good right now, folks. <laughs> oh, what do you know? What do you know? Alright, good to see everybody in the chat. I see what about us. Achilles, CMS, Dave, SB, Cam. Good to see all of you here. Oh, let me do this. Hang on. My camera, I tell it not to use the autofocus, and it continues to use the autofocus. There we go. Right. <coughs> Anywho, so there we are. Why don't give a shout-out to everybody who is listening to this show as a podcast. We've got people all over the world tuning in to Sci-Fi For Me Radio. Australia, Japan, the Philippines, Germany, France, the UK, Canada. Good to have all of you on board and ready to go. And we try to get these episodes out the same day. Uh, But if you really want to get... Right here as the show happens, uh, join us. Join us live on our video channels. Of course, the chat is open. Comments. You can leave a comment if you're not here with us live. And uh, the email address sci-fi for me uh, live from the bunker at sci-fi for me So uh, you can uh, try. That as well to let us know what you think, and I am going to ask right now for uh, a little bit of immediate feedback here because I want to see what our uh, audio is doing. I have I have done a little tweaking of the knobs and the and the slidey things and the whatnots and the buttons. How does it sound today? Because I'm still doing some adjustments trying to figure out the best way to do all of this stuff and uh and give you the best experience that you can have. I know I was talking to my my dad over the weekend and he pointed out what other people have pointed out, the fact that our audio doesn't doesn't quite reach the same level volume-wise as most other channels. And so I'm still kind of, you know, Still, kind of doing a little bit here, so if if we're we're getting there, we're getting there. It's 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 a it's a work in progress. It always is. <laughs> SB says the audio sounds fine, no clipping, no distortion. Dave says I sound like me. Well, that's good because I wouldn't want to sound like anybody else. Because we are each individuals, unique in all the universe. And sometimes that's a little bit of a mind trip. Can you think about that for just a second? You are the only you anywhere in the history of the cosmos. In the future of the cosmos, there will never be another you. That makes each one of you special. Even if you're a twin, (laughs) twins are still unique because they are made up, we are all made up of our experiences, right? And our beliefs. Each individual is unique and special and should be treated as such. Now, that doesn't mean that you're entitled... You go and act like some people, then maybe you don't get treated quite as much with uh, with quite as much respect as you as you probably think you should. But hey, you know, you've got to uh, you've got to take the bad with the good, right? You know, uh, Dave, I think you're right. I think Sci-Fi Snob would have something to say about this if you were here. I I have I have been in contact with him. Uh, everything's fine, just uh, just a lot of busy, busy. <coughs> you know, life gets in the way. Life uh, gets in the way. Uh, but uh, but as far as I know, Sci-Fi Snob is okay. He has not been caught by the time time dilation police or anything like that. He's he's doing all right. But it will be good to see him back in the chat. All right. So um, before I get started on today's topic, I do want to offer up congratulations to Robin McKinley named the 39th Science Fiction and Fantasy Writers Association Damon Knight Memorial Grand Master. I've never heard of Robin McKinley. I think I have heard of Robin McKinley. But uh, this news breaking today, uh, Robin McKinley is going to be the 39th Damon Knight Grand Master for her contribu- for her contributions to the literature of science fiction and fantasy uh, to be inducted at the 58th Nebula Conference and Awards in 2023. Um, let see here. She joins 38 writers, including Peter S. Beagle, Nayla Hopkinson, Connie Willis, Ursula Le Guin, Ray Bradbury, and McCaffrey, Joe Haldeman. I've interviewed Joe Haldeman. Have I interviewed Joe Haldeman? Yeah, I think I have. Uh, Let's see. Beauty, a retelling of Beauty and the Beast. 1982 book The Blue Sword received the Newbery honor. 1984 prequel The Hero and the Crown was awarded the Newbery Medal. School Library Journal says her work has impacted not just the Newbery canon, but the fantasy genre too. What, has she only been publishing since the mid-80s? When did she start publishing stuff? She spent nearly thirty years. Huh. Okay. Oh, nineteen seventy-eight. All right. So publishing since nineteen seventy-eight. That's that's a that's a pretty good that's a pretty good run. I'm trying to look here to see if there's anything in here that I recognize. Um, I don't really recognize any of these titles. But anyway, okay. So congratulations to Robin McKinley. The 39th Damon Knight Grand Master uh, for the Science Fiction and Fantasy Writers Association, which used to be the Science Fiction and Fantasy Writers of America until they changed the name. Which, you know, it happens. Death Angel Shadow in the chat. Good to see you as well. Okay. Now, let us get to our topic today last week we talked about bob Iger coming back as the ceo of disney replacing bob Chapek. now the monday night h2o podcast we had cameron pasha on as a guest i think it was the first time that we've had a guest on h2o now we've had guest hosts uh like if i'm if i'm out and somebody has to fill in. We've done that before. But I think this is the first time we've ever had a guest. And we've got over 300 views on that video, which is great. Considering that we normally stay in the double digits, you know, 30, 40, 50, whatnot. So 300 plus is fantastic performance for that. And of course, it's all Cameron. <coughs> and then on, for, on then on Wednesday, before, before the break... I did a, a piece on Bob Iger coming back and his history with China and all of that. And that one's got over 50, which is good. Doing great. Now we continue. And I don't want to make every show about Disney, but D- Disney is doing its best to make every show about Disney. And I know we're not the only ones talking about this. Headline in Deadline. <clears throat> Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> Strange World to Lose 147 Million Dollars Why Theatrical was Best Decision for Doomed tune, Not Disney Plus As Bob Iger takes over from CEO from Bob Chapek Now, there's a couple of things in this article That are worthy of note And we're going to go through this article This is Anthony Del, Del Sandro yesterday in deadline and it's a hoot it really is a hoot we're going to we're going to get into this because this is this is one of those things where if if you're not paying attention the media is going to have you believe a certain particular narrative That's not necessarily true. Because the media lies to you. Bum, bum, bum. I need to load that. I need to load that music sting. Bum, bum, bum. Yes, the media lies to you, ladies and gentlemen. So, here's from the article here. Death taxes in films that bomb at the box office, such as life in Hollywood, and at the end of the day, the estimated $147 million loss which is expected for Disney Animation's Strange World isn't spilt milk to cry over for the entertainment conglomerate. The bombing of the Thanksgiving family title, which is not with a $28 million global opening in the face of Netflix's theatrical experiment with Glass Onion... Knives out, Mister. With thirteen point three million over five. See, they're gonna throw a bunch of numbers at you here. They're gonna throw a bunch of numbers, and you're gonna wait, huh? What, huh? What? Just stay with me here, because it's gonna get, it's gonna get messy. <coughs> and I apologize for the cough, folks. This thing just will not go away. Although I did get some individually wrapped cherry red lifesavers so that will help and of course I don't have any in front of me Uh, $13.3 million over 5 days has prompted discussion this weekend as to what's really prime for theatrical and what's really ideal for streaming Okay, there is the first false half true premise with regard to Strange World's performance Okay, they're going to frame this. This whole article is framed as a discussion of the difference between theatrical run and streaming run. Should it have gotten a theatrical release instead of going to Disney Plus? And that's the framing. Inside that framing, it's a hit piece on Bob Chapek. Because that's the narrative. It's all Chapek's fault. And I'm going to... I'm going to... I'm going to poke that one a little bit later. Yes. Disney's going to attempt to confuse everyone. It's not going to work. All right. So... No question about it Net from the article here. No question about it. Netflix is leaving money on the table in their $400 million plus investment in the Knives Out franchise with a one week only theatrical release before its December 23rd streaming drop. However, Disney aren't idiots for committing to a global theatrical release, even if it's not full for Strange World, which will debut on Disney Plus around Christmas. All right. I I missed the memo, and this has been going on for a while now, and it bothers me, and I don't want to be grammar police on this, but when you sit here and say Disney aren't, Universal aren't, you're talking about a particular business entity with a plural Verb. It's a singular business entity. The Walt Disney Company, Universal Pictures, Lucasfilm, Industrial Light Magic, Simon & Schuster. That's a business. It's an individual company. Why have we decided, and who decided, that we're going to start using plural structure form for the verbs with these company names? It's not... Disney aren't idiots. Disney is an is. It depends on depends on how you it depends on the, what the meaning of the word is is right. It just it. It has this has bugged me for I don't know how long. And it's not just Disney. It's everybody. Every business entity. Marvel. And raw, I mean, if, if you see any kind of, of article about a company, especially in the entertainment industry, it's always treated as a plural. And I don't understand why. Somebody please explain it to me. Because I don't understand this. And I'm a smart guy. Relatively. I'm pretty smart. Continuing, why did Disney go theatrical on a movie they knew had bad audience diagnostics and not streaming? Now, the grammatical structure of that sentence is atrocious, but I'm going to leave that. Parenthetical here, I spoke with someone who saw Strange World in an early test screening back in August who believed Disney should have held the movie. Which means, don't release it on Thanksgiving, wait. Wait until later. Which, a lot of people have been talking about whether or not it should have been released closer to Christmas, winter winter break, and all of that, because, you know, then you get a little bit more traction, maybe. You get a little, you know, all the, sc- all the kids are out for school, a little bit longer kind of a window that you can have for this. Might have been better, No way of knowing now. I mean, the deed is done. (coughs) Why didn't Hocus Pocus 2 go theatrical, given its massive eyeballs on Disney Plus and cult fandom? Why did Disenchanted, a sequel to a three-times Oscar-nominated, 340000000 million-plus grossing global hit, go to streaming? Such questions will have easier answers in the post-Bob Chapek-Kareem Daniels era. Now, see, now they're linking Kareem Daniels with Bob Chapek, because it's all their fault. It's clear in Iger's move to put the distribution P&L decisions back in the hands of the studio's creative heads, the people who actually steer such product, an indication that smarter creative and financial decisions are afoot at the studio. All right, there. here we go with the beginning of the hit piece on Bob Chapek. Because remember, when Bob Iger was in charge, the creatives had a lot more say in everything that got done. And Chapek when he rearranged and reorganized, he said the creatives are going to do what they do best. They're going to create. They're going to make our programs. They're going to make our movies. They're going to make our TV shows. And then there's going to be another division of the company, the distribution division... Which is going to decide where to put these movies and TV shows? It's very much like what David Zaslav is doing over at Warner Brothers Discovery in 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 deciding that a particular product goes to certain markets. How do you how do you sell this? How do you how do you position this program with an eye toward profit? How do you maximize the amount of money that you can get from this, the revenue that you can generate from this thing, instead of just putting it out on your own distribution platform, Disney Plus? (coughs) Because not all, excuse me, not all of these programs, movies and TV shows, not all of them will do best performance wise on your little platform. There are other options, and JPEG was willing to explore those, and uh, 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 Zaslav over at Warner Brothers definitely is, but JPEG didn't get the time, and he didn't move fast enough. <clears throat> All right, continuing here. Disney hasn't commented on whether there's less movies going straight to Disney Plus as Iger takes over. The feeling by industry sources is that more expensive theatrical movies will go theatrical, which makes sense. And significantly lower budgeted ones without any big screen potential will make their way on the service. Which is kind of what Bob J. Peck was doing, but that's neither here nor there. No more opulent feature stunting to get subscribers... Is the sense we're getting, which is a similar philosophy to that of Warner Brothers, uh, Warner Discovery CEO David Zaslav's in regards to feature films and HBO Max It's just what we're talking about is is does this deserve theatrical run or does it just go to streaming or do we get it out to some other network like Cartoon Network or CW or ABC or wherever? Where can we maximize our revenue? Alright. Disney's pivot to Iger and pushing out of Chapek and Daniel is a sign to many that the entertainment conglom that's that's trade speak for conglomerate wants to appease Wall Street's appetite for profits from streamers, not subscription counts. <clears throat> so profit profit over profit over people, profit over subscribers. Which is what JPEG was starting to do. Their revenue was up. In 2020, what, 6%? 2021 it was up. JPEG was was making those moves to get the profits up. They might not like how he was doing it, but they were starting to show some profit. They were starting to make some money. Now, this $1.5 billion shortfall in the third quarter... Don't even think for a moment that that took anybody by surprise. I don't care what CFO Christine McCarthy says, because if see if if the chief financial officer of the corporation is surprised and taken aback by the report on the third quarter earnings call, then the chief financial officer is not doing her job. I guarantee you, and others have talked about this, Valiant Renegade has done an excellent an analysis of this stuff. I guarantee you that that earnings call was rehearsed and practiced and scripted, and everybody that was participating in that call knew exactly what was going to be said. So for Christine McCarthy to come out and say, Oh, Bob Bob Chapek just took me completely by surprise. And then the Wall Street Journal comes out with this article that's basically trying to throw Chapek under the bus and making these accusations that he was cooking the books. B.S. Absolutely no way that a competent CFO would let this kind of crap happen. And if you're cooking the books... as as the Wall Street Journal is trying to make out, then your CFO is either in on it or incompetent. And and what they're trying to characterize as cooking the books is nothing more than taking money from one bank account and moving it to another. That's the analogy that I used, and we'll talk about that here in a little bit after. MS says, "I heard that CW has never turned a profit in its entire time as a company. So how much does this movie bombing for Disney really hurt? Well, it, it's 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 apples and oranges, really, and I'll admit that. But basically, if you're looking at CW, for every for every dollar it made, it spent two. I mean, it was a lost leader. And everybody knew that. Well, I say everybody knew that. Maybe people didn't know that. The CW." was the CW was a loss leader for both Warner Brothers and CBS. Paramount Global is is what they call them now. Because you look at the ratings for a lot of... The Batwoman's a, a perfect example of this. It gets three seasons and nobody's watching it. But the justification for keeping the show was that it was generating social media buzz. It was generating online traffic which again goes back to this whole thing now where all of these companies for so many years have looked at online chatter and social media activity instead of revenue and that's finally caught up to so many companies in so many different industries We are no longer at a point, and this is mainly because of the recession, we are no longer at a point where we can pretend not to care about revenue and profit. And a lot of chickens are about to come home to roost. And we see that with BlockFi filing Chapter 11 protection in the wake of the FTX collapse. <clears throat> <clears throat> and we may be talking. I'm trying to put together a. I'm trying to put together an all-star panel. We're going to try to have a discussion about all of that on Wednesday. I. I, it, I it's still in the works. Well, I mean, I'll let you know. <clears throat> all right. Back to the article here. Such questions will have easier answers in the post-Bob Chapek Kareem Daniels era. It's clear in Iger's move to put the. Oh, I already read that. <sighs> Sorry. Disney hasn't commented on whether there's less See, there's Disney hasn't. That's singular. You can't even agree on 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 verb tense in your own article. Shouldn't that be Disney haven't? <clears throat> Inefficient, sloppy. Disney hasn't commented on whether there's less movies going straight to Disney Plus as Iger takes over. The feeling by industry sources is that more expensive theatrical movies will go theatrical. And again, wait, did I? I read that too. <sighs> See? Grammar. Grammar just it can be distracting. So if Disney News Strange World with its problematic title was a dud... Why did it not go straight to streaming? Disney has a history of launching a family animated title over Thanksgiving. Audiences come to expect that. That alone is of significant reputation value to Disney in meeting their fans' demands. Had Disney pulled another movie from the theatrical schedule and sent it to streaming, a standard JPEG business move, Especially at Thanksgiving, there would be a great uproar from exhibition, and they've already had their share of punches in subtracting Mulan, etc. from the release schedule, not to mention their controversial day-and-date experiment with Marvel's Black Widow. Now, um, okay, this completely ignores the pandemic and the pivot that everybody had to make when nobody was going anywhere because we were all under house arrest. So, this particular paragraph, to me, is a little disingenuous. Because it's trying to juxtapose two different time periods in terms of the process for getting movies out in front of an audience. Now, you remember, too, prior to the pandemic and going into the pandemic, Bob Iger's big thing... Was Disney Plus. We're going to make Disney Plus a thing. Disney Plus, Disney Plus, Disney Plus. is one of the reasons why they bought 20th Century Fox. Is so they could get all of the library. Of movies and TV shows. From the Fox side of things. From the Fox studios. Bring all of that stuff in. And now you've got it all on, on Disney Plus. Disney Plus was supposed to be this huge, big, highfalutin thing. And a lot of the processes. And remember that Bob Iger didn't go away after he retired because when the pandemic hit Iger stepped back in to handle the creative side of things while Bob Chapik would handle the business side of things you remember all of that because that's going to come into play here in a minute Yeah, that, that, Keely, you're right. The only ones watching Batwoman were some YouTubers watching it. Um, I think, I think really the only the only person watching Batwoman might have been Az. I mean, there were other people that were watching it, but nobody was watching it. You're right. I don't know. Yeah, you're right. They they had they had the Fox Kids library. Well, and, and <coughs> excuse me, you look at now, uh, we've got uh, uh, X-Men 97 coming back. That's going... I'm cautiously optimistic about X-Men 97. Given what I've seen Bo Mayo say about the writer's room that has me a little less skeptical let's say i don't know we'll see i haven't i haven't seen anything except i i anything the only thing that i've seen about this that gives me pause is uh, the the voice actress? I can't remember her name. Playing Jubilee, she's not going to play Jubilee this time around because the whole the whole race representation thing. But that's the only thing that I've seen anywhere. I might have missed something, but Bo Demario coming in talking, yeah, exactly. The 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 Witcher the Witcher writer's room when he he makes these comments about well, nobody in the Witcher's writer's room cared about the Witcher the game that uh, that's telling but for him to sit there and say we want people in our writers rooms to be fans of the original show that's a stark contrast from even seeing here uh, a marvel producer coming in and saying well if we've if if people are coming in and they want to be writers and they're huge fans of the property that's a red flag no, it's not. You temper that enthusiasm, you temper that fan, in that that fandom side of things, sure, because you don't want it to limit what you can do with the stories. But you've got to have some familiarity with the characters that you're writing. You have to have some familiarity with the source material. You have to have some appreciation. ...for the source material... ...so you treat that source material with respect... ...when you adapt it... ...for another medium. Some people don't get this. I don't know. (coughs) All right. And the Black Widow thing... ...remember... ...Black Widow... ...that... ...that whole mess was poked and prodded by Bob Iger. Because when Scarlett Johansson decided to bring legal action against Disney because of the the day and date release and the ramifications for that as far as royalties and, and points on the back end and all of that, Iger was in there in that mix. He was kind of egging it on. And he's never been quiet in his criticism for Bob Chapek and the decisions that Chapek has made. Chapek's only had 11 months where he was on his own as CEO. Remember that part, too. <clears throat> All right. Had Strange World gone straight to Disney+, Plus, it would be a PR nightmare for the studio, particularly in the wake of Chapek's Florida Don't Say Gay quagmire. Again, we're, we're framing this... As a Bob Chapek problem. It's not. A strict Disney Plus release for Strange World would indicate that the Burbank, California studio is giving a lesser release and a lesser profile for a big movie with a gay character versus a global theatrical launch. Now, that assumes this is a big movie. It's not. Because nobody knew about it. Because Disney didn't market it. We got a trailer. There's a little bit of of news coverage about it, you know, casting-wise and whatnot. But who even knew what this story's about? Does anybody know what Strange World is about? You don't. Nobody knows what Strange World is about. Because all all of the coverage was about the gay character. and that's it nobody nobody knew anything about what anything I mean here's Brianna Wu if you thought conservatives freaked out over Lightyear, year they didn't freak out uh you know main protagonist is gay older people didn't find it re- don't find it remarkable biracial marriage almost no one is white climate change metaphor even the dog is disabled alright here's my question what's the story because nobody's talking about the story. Here's TMZ. Hard flop at the box office. LGBTQ character to be scapegoated. Nobody talking about the story. Here's a review from Variety. I want, I want, I want to get into this here for just a second. <clears throat> because this is telling, too. It's not just the conservatives who are saying things. It's the media as well. Now, they may be saying different things, but the focus for the media is not on the story. This is a review of this movie. This is uh, Peter DeBruge and Variety. Uh, the date on this is November 21st. Now that's, again, that's telling too, because the reviews on this were embargoed. We didn't start getting reviews until a couple of days before it got released. That's a tight window. Death Angels, you binge watched oh Wednesday. Wednesday, okay. How is it? I, I I haven't I haven't watched Wednesday yet. I don't know that I I don't know that I'm interested in Wednesday or not. I haven't decided. I've been disappointed in a lot of stuff that I've watched lately. Alright, so here's the review. In Strange World. The world may be super weird, but those who populate it are some of the most realistic and well-rounded that Walt Disney Animated Studios has ever presented. Ergo, it's the characters, as much as the environment, that make this vibrant, journey-to-the-center-of-the-earth-style adventure movie colorful and diverse in all the best ways. Great as the people and places they explore may be, however, the relatively unimaginative story consigns this gorgeous tune to second-tier status a notch below director Don Hall's earlier Big Hero 6 instead of cracking the pantheon of Disney classics. So in the first paragraph, we have all about how the characters are great and and the environment, the setting, the design is great. And then we get one line that it's not a very good story. <clears throat> and the rest of this kind of follows that. You have, so there's the first paragraph. Second paragraph Strange World centers on a civilization called Avalonia, which is surrounded by an impassable ring of mountains, a sudden and somewhat underexplained resource shortage drives three generations of the intrepid Clade family to face the unknown. Swarthy, macho granddad Jaeger, voiced by Dennis Quaid, attempts to forge his way directly through the formidable mountains with his more cautious son, Searcher, Jake Gyllenhaal. A quarter century after that mission goes south, Searcher sets out, this time underground, with his own teenager Ethan, played by Jabuki Young-White, along for the ride. Down below in Strange World, they discover an astonishing ecosystem full of bubblegum pink trees and floating streams of sashimi-shaped creatures. It's a dazzling new environment full of kooky Dr. Seuss-worthy flora and fauna in off-kilter textures and hues. It capitalizes on the fact that we don't know whether we're in inner space, outer space, or somewhere else altogether. Production designer Merid Isvani's constantly surprising Forbidden Planet meets Fantastic Voyage aesthetic Keeps us guessing, testing our prejudices about organisms we don't recognize. Now, all of this still is about the design, the setting. Nothing here outside of a couple of sentences, nothing about the story. It's all about the visuals. The same goes for Avalonian characters who come in a refreshing range of shapes, colors, and configurations from a three-legged pet dog legend to Ethan's biracial family. Here we go. Here we go. Avalonia itself looks a lot like a Swiss farming community, albeit one that gets a nifty steampunk upgrade soon after Searcher discovers a glowing plant he calls Pando during the film's prologue, rendered in a visually appealing Ben-Day processed style that gives the film a classic pulp comics flair early on. Mission accomplished as far as searcher is concerned, Pando is a renewable power source, literally green energy. And what could be better than that? Searcher is far better suited for farming than roughing it like his father, which keeps the adventure-averse family man busy for the next 25 years until such time that the pando crop starts to fail and Avalonia president Callisto Mal, played by Lucy Liu, enlists them for the outing to Strange World. Gyllenhaal is great at playing the overprotective dad who's also progressive-minded enough to realize he doesn't want to be the bossy control freak his own father was. When Searcher orders Ethan to stay home, it's no surprise the boy disobeys, stowing away in the pando-powered airship as it takes off to save precious plant on which Avalonia depends. See, this whole thing, but it, it, it buries the lead, and it goes through all of this stuff without really acknowledging that it's a boring story. Nothing happens. It's disappointing. There's not much to it. It's pretty. I just... I mean, you're talking about here, Dayglo pterodactyls, floating pink pancakes... Ethan is more trusting of the unfamiliar lifeforms they encounter adopting an amoeba-like blue blob he dubs Splat. It's a testament to the animators that this critter, which stresses, stretches like a sticky hand toy and sounds like a kazoo, still manages to be adorable, even without googly eyes or anything remotely resembling a face. And guess who they should find down there? Researcher's own long-lost pop, unlocking all sorts of daddy issues. Clearly inspired by the spirit of Jules Verne and H.G. Wells, writer Kui Wen concentrates on the father-son dynamics between these characters. There are environmental themes, too, obviously, which set up a big third-act twist. Gee, I wonder what that is. But the movie's organic message, instructive without being preachy, comes down to teach your children well, and you may wind up learning from them in the end. I haven't learned anything from my kid yet. Uh, it's starting to feel, I'm I'm skipping a couple of paragraphs here, because it's all the same stuff. It's all pretty. 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 It's It's starting to feel like Disney woke up and realized that the families, friend groups, and greater society around them aren't homogenous, and that the studio has been out of touch when confining them to separate cultural bubbles. This is not against Mulan, Moana, or Encanto, each of which made pioneering strides toward broadening Disney's horizons, so much as an enthusiastic endorsement for presenting a world in which diverse identities co-mingle more than they clash. There's nothing wrong with that, but if that's the focus of all of your media coverage... Here's Daily Beast. Strange World is Disney's first animated movie with a gay lead. Why is it being buried? Here's, uh... Yahoo Entertainment. Now, this this article came out about a week before the movie, and so it's still under the embargo. So no no review here. Here's how Strange World introduces the first out gay teenager in a Disney animated film. It was a beautiful thing to be a part of. We're talking, it's an interview with (coughs) Jubuki. But this whole thing, and it goes all through all of this, you know, Hall and Gabrielle Union play the parents of this kid. And way down here, you've got all of this stuff about, you know, this whole article is about this. But all of the reviews basically boil down to there's not, there's not much here. There's not, there's not a whole lot of substance here now back to this back to this deadline article here in addition a straight to disney plus release for strange world would be a continued slap in the face to its animation team which have seen years and years of their life's work intended for full on theatrical go to streaming pixar's soul turning red luca disney's ray on the last dragon the return of Iger is also intended to boost Disney Creative's morale in the wake of the binary and being counting JPEG era. An executive who one former Disney bigwig told me was known as the Swiss Army knife of executives at the company, able to make a profit at whatever division he took charge of. Folks, if you've got a guy who has a reputation for making money. And this is a company that is supposed to be making money for its shareholders. If you have a guy who has a reputation for being able to generate revenue with your business, and you put him in charge of your business, then why in the world would you hamstring him just at the time when decisions that he's made are starting to show signs that they might pay off. Now, I get it. Yes, billion and a half dollars shortfall. How much of that is because of people deciding that they don't want Disney Plus because they're giving us programming that throws out an agenda instead of a story. Where did I put that? There's a... Where is it? Hang on. I had another I had another article here and I don't see it now. Uh, oh, here it is. Daily Mail. <clears throat> Daily Mail. Stop making everything sexual. Americans slammed Disney for trying to teach kids about sexual preferences in its first cartoon with gay main character as $180 million movie starring Jake Gyllenhaal bombs at the box office. That's a heck of a headline. Daily Mail, you you need better headline writers. All right. This is from Yesterday. Disney has another flop on its hands as the animated adventure Strange World proves a dud at the box office and moviegoers criticize it for what they see as forcing progressive ideology in a children's movie. The cartoon, starring a voice cast including Jake Gyllenhaal, Dennis Quaid, Gabrielle Union, and Lucy Liu, features Daily Show contributor Jabuki Young-White as the voice of what's been heralded as Disney's first openly gay character. and And heralded is probably a good a good way to characterize that. Stranger World looks set to not even clear 20 million at the Thanksgiving weekend box office on a gargantuan budget of 120 to 130 million. It may even finish below the studio's 2002 flop Treasure Planet which grossed just 16.6 million. <clears throat> now it's probably going to do better than that. But it's 24 million maybe. That's... Is that global? I think that's global. Because it's only doing like... 600,000, 700,000 in Germany. And in various places around the world. It's not getting... It's not making any money. At all. Strange World is DOA. But you have this reaction and people are people are are saying you know this is this is not the kind of stuff we want to see rotten tomatoes rear viewer wrote if i want to teach my children about sex and or sexual preferences at seven and eight i would do it in my home i don't need a disney movie to help me out with it stop making everything sexual it's unbelievable now this comes in the wake of all of the stuff that happened in florida of all of the activist behavior from employees at Pixar and other places where they walk out of this whole thing over over the the parents' rights bill that passed in Florida, there's one line in that it, bill. It's it's five pages long, and there's one line that has anything to do about sexual preference and that kind of thing. The entire bill is built around the notion that the parents have a right to have information about what the schools are teaching their kids. That's the whole bill. It says teachers and administrations and school districts have absolutely no right and no authority to shut the parents out when it comes to discussions about curriculum when it comes to discussions about what's being taught in the classroom whatever the subject matter whatever anything is being taught whether it's whether it's sexual politics and identity things and genderisms or any of it if i want to go in and sit down and say, okay let me give you an example when i was in when i was in the 8th grade i was in an honors uh, honors algebra class. And my teacher was a very, 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 very terrible teacher. Bad, bad teacher. The worst. Because she didn't teach. And she got away with it because she was married to a vice principal. And you can't do anything to her. And one day, See, my dad, my dad went to the public library and took a refresher course on algebra and then came home and taught me algebra at home. And it was one of the worst experiences of my life because I hate math. But my dad made sure that I understood what algebra was all about. He took the time and he sat down with me and it was a painful process and I'm sure he hated it just as much as I did because I was not a very grateful student. And yes, what goes around comes around. <clears throat> but I won't, I won't get into that. But my dad finally had had enough and he came to the school and he sat in the classroom whilst we had class. And it was the only day out of the entire school year when the teacher actually taught class. All right, here's what we're going to do today. Here's this, how this works, and here's what this works, and here's an example, and here's an example, and here's an example, and da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. da da who has got any questions? She actually did her job because dad was sitting in the classroom. And this bill in Florida guarantees that parents should be able to do just that. What are you teaching my kid? It didn't have anything to do about gender. It didn't have anything to do about race. It didn't have anything to do about sexuality. It had all the things to do about the parents have a right to know what their kids are being taught. And the Disney activists, these employees who are so damn entitled to think that their universe centers around them, decide they want to make it about something else. And these teachers in Florida... Getting up on TikTok... All, everybody's making it about sex. Says a whole lot about them. And all of this... Right before Lightyear comes out. Lightyear bombs. Because at the center of the story... It's a time travel story. And if Buzz Lightyear... <clears throat> asterisk... Makes a decision then this homosexual lesbian couple ceases to exist. That's the story. That's the core of the story. And now you've got Strange World, which is doing the same kind of stuff. And this is after how many different arrests in Florida of predatory-type people who work... At the Disney parks, now, not everybody who works at the Disney parks is a predator, and not everybody who's a predator works at the Disney parks. I know that these these are these are different sets, but they're going after your kids. Here's, a, here's, a, here's another post here. First light year in now Strange World. Disney and Pixar are releasing woke flops one after the other. How many box office bombs before Disney learns? Get woke, go broke. I'm not going to say that it's entirely that. But it's a lot that. I also think that the release strategy and the marketing strategy played a key part. Because Disney didn't promote this movie. Disney was scared to promote this movie. And, okay, stunning and brave, we've got a gay lead character. Fine. Who cares? Does it matter to the story? That's my question. Because if it doesn't matter to the story, it shouldn't be the primary focus of all of your media coverage. And if that's, if that's your big ticket then you're doing it wrong. This thing was not marketed properly. Whether it's woke or not, it's got political ideology stuff in it, doesn't matter. If it's an environmental manifesto, who cares? If it's not marketed at all, nobody even knows about it. Plus, they put it Right up on the same weekend opposite Wakanda forever. So Disney is providing counter-programming to Disney. Should they have waited? Probably. Would it have performed better closer to Christmas? Who knows? Like I said, deed is done. There's no way to know now. (coughs) But... You have another thing here. Um, here's one. Patrick Bet David. I have no idea who this guy is, but he's got a blue check mark. Like that means something now, right? Took the kids to the movies today to watch a Disney cartoon called Strange World. Within 10 minutes of the movie, my 10-year-old son says, Dad, I have no desire to watch this movie. Can we leave? kids get it kids understand when you're trying to put one over on them we've had that discussion we've we we know kids know kids get it kids are kids are smarter than you want to give them credit for sometimes <clears throat> uh death angels has got a good point here because um Let me get in here, that one here. Uh, They slid it in, hoping for it to go under the radar, Wonder if they had some contractual obligations to release a certain number of movies. There is is a piece of that article that talks about Hocus Pocus 2, and the reason that it went straight, straight to Disney Plus was that very thing, because of the way the contracts were worded that said, this is going to streaming. If they had, because it tested great, audiences, you know, the test market audiences loved it. It did really great, performed well. Everybody, everybody is all all agog about it. If they had decided to release it theatrically, then they would have had to, to renegotiate everybody's contracts. Which would have ended up costing them more money. I don't know if something similar applies here for Strange World. But there was some some question, and, and, and somebody pointed out earlier in the chat that uh, Valiant Renegade was going over uh, a release schedule list or article, I think it was in Deadline or Variety, where he was first reading about it. And I remember him talking about this. He made note of the fact that Strange World was left off of that list of upcoming theatrical releases. And the question at the time was whether or not it was going to get released theatrically at all, because there were some markets where Black Panther was questionable <laughs> but strange world was definitely questionable because of the nature of some of the characters whether or not it was going to be released in some of these some of these countries where that kind of thing is frowned upon so there was the question if this was going to go straight to straight to Disney plus or not now it will go to Disney plus in December and it's possible that there's a contract stipulation that says this is a theatrical release so they do a limited theatrical run they drop they drop it right in the middle of Black Panther Wakanda Forever Run it's a tax write off now and maybe that's by design maybe we lose money on the theatrical run we can take the write off we can still put it out there on Disney Plus we're not making any money on this thing and it's just like we make this thing to put on our own streaming service. they They have to pay themselves the licensing fee. So Disney plus has to pay the wall you know Walt Disney Pictures or Pixar or whoever made this thing. Disney plus has to pay the broadcast, the licensing fee for this. And it's just like I've described before. If you've got multiple bank accounts, and we we do here, we've got we've got, We've got a, a couple, two, three different bank accounts that we use for various different things. I got a business account. We got a personal account. We got a couple of savings accounts, all these. If you take money from one account and you put it to another account and you own both of those accounts, you haven't made any money. You've just moved money. And Disney Plus, putting a Disney picture on their service is just moving money. There's no profit here. Where are the toys? Where's the, where's the merch? Where are the t-shirts? Where are the action figures? Where's the big push? Because it's Christmas, right? Shouldn't we be trying to sell action figures for our animated movie before Christmas? I don't know. All right, Keeley's lunch break is over, going back to work. I appreciate you being here, Keeley. And I got I to gotta say this here, just, just for a second. One little thing, and then I'll head out myself. <clears throat> there are a number of channels here on YouTube that are doing extra hours on Odyssey and Rumble only. I'm toying with some ideas. I'm toying with some ideas. I'll just I'll just put that out there. So we'll see. I I'm trying to put together this big this big panel discussion about the whole crypto FTX thing on on Wednesday. We'll see what happens. Tune into our uh, social media stuff because that's where you will find. Uh, all the different, uh, all the different announcements, uh, programming stuff. I don't know what we're gonna do on H2O tonight. I'm waiting to hear back. We've got some options, some different ideas. So uh, find us over on the social media, and if you are among the sixty-eight, what's what's hundred minus eighteen? Hundred minus eighteen is what? 78 if you're among the 78% of the people watching this show who aren't subscribed I do invite you to consider subscribing all right give us a thumbs up on your way out share the link and we will be back on Wednesday with another hour of brilliance and that all comes from you this has nothing to do with me all right (laughs) thanks very much for being here folks remember There are four lights. Copyright 2022 by Flaming Dog Media, LLC. All rights reserved. No portion of this program may be retransmitted without the express written consent of Flaming Dog Media. You're listening to Sci-Fi For Me Radio.